what were you up to just now? I was buying a bunch of weed for my dad. He, uh, I, I made the mistake of not putting my phone on Do Not Disturb last night. And it was like 6.30 and I get a, I get a, a text from my dad being like, hey, like I'm gonna Venmo you $400. Could you just buy me a shitload of weed? I was like, sure dad. Like, like 6.30 so this, this morning in LA time? Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Um, so that's also why we're starting a little later today. That's freaking hilarious because last night my mom showed me her latest stash because last time she was in town she bought three hundred dollars worth of weed products nice so yeah and she's like selling it at profit to other family members in austin so oh my like gosh. my mom has unwittingly become like a small to medium-sized drug dealer in the austin market <laughs> she is your mother with that upcharge not gonna lie apple doesn't fall <laughs> yeah. far from the street no, she, she's been giving it no she's been giving it away and then she's like honestly this one's so expensive that my brother keeps wanting it and i'm like i'm gonna charge him for that um, i don't <laughs> think she's like flipping it for massive profit i think she's just doing it at cost but you know if she well, wants med men then they're, yeah. they're the ones upcharging you know yeah good point yeah why did she take her to med she men out, there there's so I, many I other take her there no, yeah, I, see. I, I would. That would that'd be one of the last places I would take her. But um, they did it while I was I was out and about. I was doing something, and my parents were out, and uh, you know, stumbled into MedMen. And and you know, I tell them <laughs> it's like the Apple Store of the weed industry, and it's overpriced and all this stuff. But I will say the way that she described it to me, like it's it makes sense because you know they are so corporatized that they do have like a very good support system and like knowledgeable reps and stuff like that so it's not my vibe or my speed but i'm like you know what if uh you know if it kind of fit for what you needed in that moment like i'm happy you you felt comfortable med men but i took them to calma they like that that's my favorite one next to my place i don't know it calma have we never been there i gotta take you next time and i'll take advantage of your first member discount oh nice because when i saw all my mom's weed products i was like you know what instead of just like buying a month's supply at a time like next time i'm there i just want to like you know, <laughs> charge it on the Amex and just like, but oh, also, MedMen takes credit cards. That blows my mind. I've never heard of a weed store ta- taking credit cards. It's always cash. Like they just started doing debit at Calma, but I was like, damn, you can buy weed on credit now. That is a breakthrough. Is there a fee though if you use a card? I don't know. I don't know. Probably no more or less than like any standard merchant fee. If that if that was the issue, but I don't know. Good question. I'll ask. And her. what's the she standard merchant fee? Like like three percent. Two to three percent. Right? Yeah. 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 But anyway, we're but not here cool. to talk about buying weed for our parents. <laughs> no, we're here because it's time for a new episode of the Guantanamo Bay's podcast, a, a Cuban, Cuban cousin, cousin Kiki. I'm Brian Bogart, and I'm Julian Goza. Hold on. I think my mom is calling me right now. Give me one second. <laughs> sure. Grant, that was so clean. You could cut right there. Yeah, mom. Yeah. I, I know. I'm, uh, I'm recording right now. Can I? I'll be done. Yeah. I'll let you know when I'm done. Okay. I love you. Hi, 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 hi. What, did, what did your mom want? I, I, I just imagine... <laughs> I imagine she was like, try this cocktail I just came up with. You're not too far off. I mean, they're outside having kind of a happy hour. And she just, like, my, now that my parents have seen me all day, I've just been, like, cooped up working in my room all day. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think she's just like, I haven't seen you all day. And just want to make sure I was, like, here. But um, I'm sure once I'm done with this, they will have, like, a cocktail for me. Lovely. Yeah. I think I think there might be some people at the house. They're in the backyard, though. So, I don't know. I'll see who's at the house when I'm, when I'm, when we're done with this. But, but anyway, yeah. I'm Julian Goza. I'm Julian Goza. I'm Brian motherfucking Bogart. <laughs> and this is a podcast where we talk about some news from Cuba, talk about some gay shit, and that's pretty much it. That shockingly fills out about 50-50 minutes a week. So we got some fun stuff to talk about. This is our now third remote podcast, uh, the one that we're recording remotely, because I'm in Austin for Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Julian is in LA. How are things in LA, Jules? Is it still like as gloomy as it's been all year? No, it's actually really beautiful today. Um, although, gosh, I got to say, I don't like doing this remote as much. Well, yeah, because you know, 
we, we get to I hang like out. seeing that punum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, no, but yeah, no, Ellie's, Ellie's good. Um, That's why this podcast will never fail, because we enjoy each other's company. You can't fail if that's the case. But That's really you know, sweet. Uh, but commercial success would be nice, too. But you got a haircut, you said? I got a haircut, yeah. Nice. It once again took two hours. I kind of, he got upset because I was on my phone and I started to lean in one certain direction. And he was like, if it's hurting my back, like I need to, like, I need to keep engaging my core if, if, the more you lean over and, that's I mean, funny. he's so good, but it's it's like, it's kind of a toxic relationship in that like, I'm at this point so much more dependent on him than he is dependent on just doing like a quick and smooth job, you know? <laughs> He can't. I mean, that's just not his brand. That's not his style. Like, I, I don't. Can I ask how much he charges? Yeah, he charges like sixty bucks. Okay, that's not terrible for hair. It's, that's just like not efficient, though, from a uh, you know what you're earning hourly kind of standpoint. So that's kind of what's shocking to me is like six dollar haircut. That's two hours long. You know, I'm just trying to think like the economics behind it. But you've been with him for a while. He's like this. Um, gay Russian dude, right? And kind of like, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you've kind of like had haircuts where you didn't go to him where you felt like you were cheating on him, right? <laughs> yeah. And he would, uh, he'd be like, well, I haven't seen you in so long. That's now I have to remember what, what we were doing with our collaboration. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> he knows what the, buttons <laughs> to press. Like and he knows you, he knows what yours, I'm sure he probably has those lines for other people, but he's like, yeah, I know that this guy like has some guilt, like has that Catholic guilt built into him that I could just like yeah. twist these knobs. And he's Russian. So he like, don't go to him for like comfort. Like if I'm just like kind of lamenting something in my life, he's like, oh, you know, like there's on. just, yeah. there's no sympathy, which like, I feel like is the cornerstone of like a, a nice relationship with your hairstylist is them being like, ah, oh, I hear you girl. Yeah, with me and my hair cutter, we just, and he gets me in and out 15, 20 minutes. Um, and it's like such a great cut. And we just speak kind of conversational level Spanish. It's like kind of one of my my times where I get to really practice is, uh, and that's kind of what I go to him for too. And it's a great cut. And like, he's always <laughs> available when I need him. So I'm just in and out. And, uh, and you know, it's like, you know, walking or like scooter distance from my place. So that, that's really, it's just so funny how we both like, clearly go to our barbers for <laughs> completely different reasons <laughs> yeah although some people need their barber... to be a therapist you know and i would i guess i would like that angle but i guess it's just not a need for me right now yeah yeah i mean i see my therapist every other week so i could always use an extra therapy session who gives you better advice between your barber and the therapist well my therapist because my barber just like is somehow impatient if it's like talking about even though he's really negative but i feel like if i'm being too negative he gets kind of impatient with it <laughs> that's funny i think that's just like a you know it's a cultural communication when it comes to like do you know if he's like russian orthodox like is he particularly religious like the way that you s still like consider catholicism Girl. You know, he's gay. Uh, but so are you, but <laughs> you're still like very clearly gay. I'm Catholic, you know? Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily like inform how I <laughs> go about the world, you know? Like, but doesn't it though? I don't know. Like you, you talk about the guilt and the shame that you feel and like how that's co-opted to different parts of your, your, you know, nature. So I'm just, I'm curious if like any kind of church influences, uh, kind of influence his own attitude and how he goes about things but i mean russians are famously stoic people and famously glib and kind of yeah. melancholy yeah i think that's more what it is um yeah yeah i don't i don't know if it's i i'd be surprised if he considered himself religious but i don't right. know right but some things you just can't you're raised with and whether you like agree with it or not it still like kind of shapes you into who you are Oh, for sure. I mean, I yeah, I'm sure he feels levels of shame like I do. That's that's the great game. That's universe. so hot. Yeah, that's so hot. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one um, thing. But speaking of communism, mm -hmm. this is Go a ahead. weird kind of forced segue. But he's Russian, and our podcast is is Cuban, or as I like to say, Cuban adjacent. Oh, totally. So let's let's talk about news from the motherland. News from the motherland, uh, where we read you a relevant news story from the island nation of Cuba, where our mothers are from. And this week, you brought a news story up. What is uh, what's happening in Cuba? 
So the Cuban foreign minister, Bruno Rodriguez, considers the position of the U.S. government towards the TikTok application as a sign of falsehood and double standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, the article doesn't say whether they allow TikTok. I doubt they do, right? I'd like be shocked Cuba does? T- yeah. Um, my guess is they might because it is like TikTok is kind of a brainchild of the Chinese Communist Party. And so I think, you know, you see China is maybe starting to take the place of like Russia slash the former Soviet Union as far as their relationship with Cuba goes. So the fact that the Cuban foreign minister is criticizing the U.S.'s stance on TikTok right now tells me like, okay, maybe... Maybe the U.S. is onto something with this potential TikTok ban. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to kind of frame this conversation. So I don't know. I could, could you share a few more details? Because my thoughts are swirling, and I'm just like, how do I thread the needle on this um, without sounding xenophobic at the same time? Right. Well, he so he pointed out that the U.S., and I'm just reading directly off this article, which is from grandma.cu, which I'm guessing is a Cuban domain. Also, if he's criticizing the U.S. for potentially banning TikTok, that tells me that Cuba probably has TikTok. It's just, and this is just my guess, but um, I can look that up. Well, he, go ahead. So he pointed out that the government, uh, the U.S. government knows that the solution is not to ban an individual company, but to protect citizens from the atrocious practices of digital platforms. It's Which still blocked like is... in Cuba. Hmm, that's crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's also being a hypocrite, but go ahead. Well, and not to mention, he actually tweeted this, which is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> he just, Elon like, Musk that's not even, to talk about That's not how... even an allies company. I mean, I don't know what you call it, Elon Musk, at this point, but I feel like that's that's an American company, Twitter is. Yeah, it is. Well, actually, yeah. um, the Saudis have most of the market share of Twitter. I think most shares are owned by um, like Saudi billionaires. So there's this oh, kind okay. of uh, potential doomsday <laughs> scenario for okay. like if Elon does abdicate Twitter, then all of a sudden Twitter is a product of Saudi Arabia. And so, right. you know, if, if we think it's already bad with Elon Musk's control, which I do, um, I can't even imagine what direction it would go if, uh, you know, if now it goes uh, in the hands of, Think of the Saudis and some other. Um, there's there's some other kind of big, you know, government or private backer. But I know that they they do have like a, a huge share of of Twitter in general. Interesting. I wonder. And what is the Cubans' relationship to Saudi Arabia? <laughs> Tell me all. I don't of know these if they things. have much of one. Um, I you know, Cuba tends to. If they're, you know, whatever foreign policy Cuba does have tends to just align with whoever the dominant dominant communist force is at the time. And uh, and so obviously the U.S. is exploring a TikTok ban, which I get because it is spyware, essentially. And we right. are, you know, the CCP has already stolen billions maybe trillion dollars worth of ip from the u.s from our tech companies and this is uh now like tiktok is or about to be you know the the largest social media company in the world if it if it isn't already like it's clearly the most like popular here and now and uh you know we literally have american citizens volunteering their information um to be harvested by a known unfriendly, you know, a known hostile nation who's literally preparing for war um, against us, whether it's like directly or in a proxy fashion as we speak. So it does, I don't know, a lot of people have kind of, there's this kind of movement that if you criticize the Chinese Communist Party or anything that the Chinese government does, then a lot of the apologists will kind of be quick to call you racist. Um, so there have been a lot of people who've said like, oh, this TikTok ban is racist and blah, blah, blah. But I really don't, yeah, I really don't think it's, you know, I do think that the notion that it is in the interest of national security does have legs. So, you know, does xenophobia play a part from a policy standpoint? Like it could or it couldn't, but it's really hard to deny that TikTok is detrimental to, you know, American security interests. That's that I'd love to be sold. I'd love for someone to illustrate how, it does not go against our interests from a security standpoint. 
Yeah. You'd be a good politician because you said you were like they're hostile instead of specific. You later specified, but instead of saying hostile towards us, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like, so China's a hostile entity. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Depends who you ask. Well, they're um, hostile yes. towards a number of people. Us. I mean, the way that they exercise diplomacy um, very skillfully is in their estimation, China never does anything wrong the rest of the world just overreacts to the things that China is doing. So the spy balloons, it's such an over, you know, they, they practically said we declared war on them the moment we shot it down. Um, you know, the, the, the spyware in TikTok right now, you know, they're, they're like, oh, don't even bother looking at that. That's nothing, you know? So it's like, you're overreacting to this, you're overreacting to that, but like the, the evidence is mounting and mounting and mounting. Um, that you know they're hostile to their own citizens, particularly the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Uh, definitely hostile to Taiwan, which you know if if you claim that Taiwan is part of your own country, then why are you even threatening to take it over by military force? Like you shouldn't have to do that if it is indeed your country. And mm-hmm. um, and and you know just earlier today, Xi Jinping said that Vladimir Putin is a force for stability and peace in the world. Which once again, someone sell me on that notion. But yeah, that's just how I see it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, I got my own dog in this fight, you know, so I obviously have my, my own reasons for not liking, uh, you know, I'm not. Oh, and, and also, I mean, just yesterday, um, there was a uh, CCP run police station in Chinatown in New York. So you literally had the Chinese Communist Party arbitrating. Chinese laws on American soil, essentially pressuring Chinese nationals to act a certain way while they're in the U.S. So, um, yeah, shit's about to hit the fan. Like, it's really starting to boil over now. It's kind of impossible to ignore. Well, fuck. I guess one silver lining, though, and bringing it back to Cuba is that hopefully this will this will help Cuba kind of enter a more a more prevalent spot, you know, globally on the global stage. Yeah, not just or at least stimulate the economy. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and I just hope that when they have to choose a side, you know, even even if the Communist Party is the ruling party, and Leon Gonzalez, who was just elected to Cuban Parliament, um, is is preaching a, a better relationship with the U.S. And whether that's just lip service or whether that's something that he actually believes, I don't know. But you know, if, if you are kind of one of those smaller nations caught in these uh, sphere of influences, you got to choose a side to some degree. And for the longest time, Cuba's chosen against the U.S. So, you know, one of these days, I just hope that uh, there's just a, a, an alignment of interests, which, you know, this TikTok, uh, uh, however you want to call it, like this criticism on the American stance towards TikTok that the Cuba foreign minister is saying is uh, is obviously like a, a point uh, of Cuba, you know, like, like point towards communism and kind of a point away from the West. But, you know, there's always going to be there's always going to be like multitudes of this stuff. There's always going to be things that more align with these interests and those interests. So, you know, I just got to pick your battles really. Yeah. I mean, I still can't believe TikTok is as successful as it is to be honest, but me neither. I don't even find it that compelling. Me neither. The interface sucks, even though I have one and I've published a lot of videos on it. I don't care for it. And that was just my, one of my last attempts at being relevant in the cultural, um, you know, in the zeitgeist. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's this podcast. Yeah. I'm like, man, I would have made a killing in the 1930s on the vaudeville circuit, you know? (laughs) Oh, we would have been such great vaudevillians. Um, so yeah, that's news from the motherland. Once again, they they show indicators of being more globalized, even if that's just, I don't know, even certainly talking about TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, just expressing any kind of like concern or dissent from an international standpoint. It's not really what Cuba's been known for for the last fifty years. So we do see more and more of that like lately, just in the last like couple of years, and and especially these last few months, it feels like we've been get, like because we've been looking into Cuban news for a while. The first few months were like pretty dang difficult. The last month or two, it just feels like more, and maybe this has to do with like Cuban elections just happened. Elian Gonzalez is now like, you know, one of the leaders in parliament and he's like kind of a public figure. Um, and then of course, like the the Russia-Ukraine war and, and really the third, this new cold war we're approaching, it's kind of like necessary to, you know, get everyone's, uh, you know, get a heat check for, hey, how do you stand? Where do things stand with you right now? And so Cuba's kind of 
making its position known. Well, I think the optics of the U.S. banning TikTok, to, though, like, it definitely won't happen before 2024. I don't I mean in terms like, of, uh, for, from an election standpoint? Yeah, and I just think people would be like, Biden is a communist, I told you, you know. If he does or if he doesn't. So do you think it's in Biden's best interest to ban TikTok or not to ban TikTok? Well, in the long run, totally, because as you said, this is like this is like an asset of the Chinese government that like has infiltrated millions and millions of American homes mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and psyches, which is mm-hmm. even yeah, more powerful. Even more alarming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in the yeah. long term. Do you not but of think course, this algorithm is spoon feeding to you like, you know, pro-communist rhetoric? Like, do you not think you're being manipulated? And if you don't think you're not, then it's working really well. Yeah, my friend mentioned that TikTok uh, has a tendency, and I wanted to send me the article, but the article very thoroughly explains how TikTok in, engenders a um, like an anti-government um, sensibility, or you know, totally, yeah, um, yeah. which that I, I would want to see that parsed through because I don't fully understand how. Yeah. But I always have been suspect of how it has to be pre-recorded or someone's or right. an article similar to it. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, obviously, like for me, a big red flag with TikTok, too, is that most of it, like to really catch on, it has to be pre-recorded material. So, of course, nothing will be said that's that extreme or progressive or mm. whatever, or even sensational if it's original audio. I mean, the whole app, that's kind of what distinguished it from Vine, really, is uh, that, that it was like really, songs that you really listen to. That's a really fascinating point. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if certain audio back, you know, soundtracks or, you know, certain things that you clip your your videos to, to a certain audio is, is going to catch in the algorithm and you're going to do that, well, obviously it's in their best interest to import some kind of audio that's going to, you know, very subtly align with whatever the CCP's interest is. Yeah. Or, or at the very least, yeah, it discourages. Yeah, if you if you were to say something like revolutionary or I don't know, remotely edgy, I feel like you would be. Uh, they would just uh, relegate you, you know, to yeah. I don't know. I mean, some they've even cut out the the audio in some of mine. I'm not even sure why. They don't even give you a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need a reason. That's what communism yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, fuck. I don't want that culture to be honest. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm an American. I like the idea no, of like, and, I don't not, know, not a bunch of movies coming it. out. I'm pro the TikTok ban. I am all on board. I, I will yeah, be the liberal so. anti-TikToker that this administration needs. Yeah, I just, I just am apprehensive because I know that people will freak out. And it will give them further ammo that, like, the Democrats are actually, like, these, like, hardcore left-wing communists, which, but, as but we both know, really is the, far from it, the truth. But most conservatives are in favor of the TikTok ban for all the reasons that we shared. So, yeah, there is, like, this kind of, like, irony of, like, oh, banning a media outlet is actually, you know, um, is well, actually... they're also pro-getting rid of Roe right. v. Wade doesn't mean that most Republicans would actually want to get rid of it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not always what their constituents want, as we know. Time yeah, time I mean, uh, overturning Roe was probably the worst thing the Republican Party could have done for itself. Even if it's what yeah. some of its base wants, it, one, it's not what all of its base wants, and it, it really sways the independents because, you know, now, you know, whatever momentum that they had going for them, and it seemed like a lot, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, Roe was a real sticking, but it's it's now a single issue vote for a lot of people. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that news from the motherland. Um, I love everybody in the world and want what's best for people <laughs> and liberty. And I am totally in favor of this motherfucking TikTok band. So let's get it out. And, um, and... You know, this is probably a good time. You know, while we're on this kind of news track, I think it's time to travel to a little place, a world that I like oh. to call the world according to Jules. That's the world I want to live in. And this is where I rejoin a few headlines from the week. And I want his unfiltered thoughts. Julian, he is an unfiltered person, and he's at his best when I'm not interrupting him. So he gets 30 to 60 uninterrupted seconds of however he feels about this news story 
Um, the less thought that goes into your reaction, the better, because we want we want the reactive nature of this response. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we have a few, and I'm gonna get my stopwatch out real quick. I don't know why I never like had this out earlier. I always like pull up the stopwatch as the signal starts. So you know, it was a fun fun news <laughs> week, and uh, you know, I have at least two, and depending on how things go, I might squeeze in a third. Yeah, we're going to do all three. Fuck it. All right. So World According to Jules, news story that broke today. You ready? Exciting. Dominion Voting Systems settles lawsuit with Fox News over defamation claims. Your thoughts? Um, I'm super down for that. I don't know what the settlement looks like, but obviously you and I Three quarters of have... a billion dollars. That's great. I think that'll make a, a minor dent. Um, even though they're already, I, not that I would know, I don't really watch it, but I feel like they've already gotten a little less intense in their messaging. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, or maybe, and maybe it'll get worse because this is all reactive, uh, to them having to pay this fee. I don't know. Um, but whether or not they were telling the truth and that is where I get more conservative. I'm like, I don't know what fucking happened in Arizona. Like regardless of that, they're, I mean, like the way that uh, Jesse Holmes said, I don't know porn. I don't, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. It's kind of like mm. the the level of uh, falsehoods with Fox. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know for a fact that it, they're falsehoods half the time. I just feel it on such a molecular bone deep level, <laughs> you know, like, your time. just, I don't know if it's just the branding or the packaging or what, but I'm like, bullshit, bull, to quote uh, Matthew McConaughey and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, bullshit, Andy. <laughs> One of the more little-known quotes from a more little-known movie. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie in maybe 20 years. That's but, not a little-known movie, Brian. No, it's a pretty well-known movie. It's kind, of, it's kind of crazy how popular it was as a movie when it was out because it was not... Well, I don't know. I'm afraid if I say something, you're going to like... Say like Yo, you're just so church. wrong. I'm so <laughs> you're wrong. So, you know who else said it was a bad movie? Fox News. No, I'm just um, <laughs> and that was fact checked as Fox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That also gave Catherine Hahn her, um, I think, her like big screen debut. So that's oh, you know that. what? Yeah, I really forgot. Like now I remember. Um, and you know, and she's and she's been Catherine Hahn ever since. But yeah, now I remember. She she was Kate Hudson's <laughs> friend in it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what a dream like, team. And then you, to see them again in Knives Out, I was like, yes, how to lose a guy in 10 days reunion. <laughs> that's cool. I did not clock that. I forgot that Catherine Hahn was in it. I mean, I was very young when I saw this movie. So I just remember my dad being like, how unrealistic is it that he makes a, the exact same bet that she made and they just happen to meet at the same dinner party? And I'm like, yeah. Well, tell Bruce it's a rom-com. <laughs> Since when were those part. realistic? Yeah. This isn't Star Trek. <laughs> um, well, that was a fun little item. Um, yeah, how so, do you feel about it? I'm sure you're happy. Well, what I'm upset about is that it's settled, that it's not going to court. I was so ready for the airing out of all of the dirty laundry. Like, I wanted the transcripts. I wanted, and we we got a little morsel. We got that little taste with Tucker Brian, Carlson's text messages. Brian, whose mind, whose mind would that change? Nobody's. That's and that's how I feel about the Trump indictment too. I'm like, why are you even publicizing this? Like, publicity no, does how, not always equal bad. Like, bad publicity is good publicity. Yeah. I mean, that's so it's, true. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, like, in Fox hasn't, to my knowledge, they don't cover their uh, their lawsuit of their programming at all. And I mean, like, Tucker literally just interviewed Trump, even though it, it's on very clear mm-hmm. record that he was sexing people how much he hates them. I much, I imagine that was a pretty awkward handshake when they, you know, met again for the first time since that happened. But he interviewed. I him doubt it. Sense of, yeah. I doubt um, it was awkward. Those people are. I was gonna once again misuse the word craven, but those. It's well, it's no, that would be appropriate. They're cowards. Well, I suppose, but more than anything, they just understand the circus, and so they're willing to put aside, you know, whatever to uh, just for those ratings. So, well, it's you know, disgusting. while the cameras are rolling, but maybe behind the scenes, Trump was like, "That was very mean what you said. I didn't like it. Very mean. I boosted your ratings, best ratings ever, and this is how you treat me." So that's just that's that's how, true. Guess, He's not happened. as smooth a navigator probably as as old Tuck. As no, he'll let you Tuck. know. He'll let you know how he's feeling. 
<laughs> which I kind of respect about him as exhausting yeah, I don't think as anyone's, it is. anyone's ever accused Trump of withholding what he, how he feels about things. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I guess, you know, the only thing I'm upset about was I was ready for just the long, painful march of the justice system to, um, you know, deliver some kind of justice and, and retribution. And, you know, yeah, monetarily, this seems to hurt. And, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, whatever um, lack of intensity might have felt from their reporting lately, how could it not be related to this? You know, it's good to know that news... I don't even know if you could designate it this way, but it's good to know that maybe they feel the sting of maybe I, I can't just make up whatever I want and pass it off as news. Um, so, like, technically this is a consequence, but it didn't come out of my pocket. It didn't come out of, like, you know, it, it probably came out of, you know, some kind of series of, like, I, I didn't, I don't think it came directly out of Rupert Murdoch's pocket. So this is probably just some some safe money that they had stashed away for exactly this kind of issue so i wish that <laughs> i just wish that it hurt fox more i just wish that it hurt whoever made these massive mistakes more than it than it does you know i just want to see more pain. yeah yeah and maybe fox news could fall but i just don't i just don't see it and if they do there's always going to be another outlet that realizes that anger equals clicks you know what i mean i mean that's just the whole model of it yeah, yeah, yeah. But we soldier on. So thank you for that feedback. Thank you for that world according to Jules. Um, pretty tame <laughs> compared to most of your takes, but um, you know, we're just taking stream of consciousness where it goes. So you ready for your next story? Yeah. All right. This is kind of like a two different headlines, but in the same story. So first headline: Netflix turned off the comments on the new Cleopatra trailer due to people saying that Cleopatra was not black, while the Greeks and Egyptians demand an end to the falsification of Queen Cleopatra's history. Your thoughts? Well, I was in Egypt this past winter, and mm -hmm. I was looking at the Sphinx with our, uh, with, with our uh, tour guide, and I was like, girl, she looks black. And the tour guide, who was very, you know, Middle Eastern Egyptian, was mm -hmm. like, no, she was not black. Like, there's no black, no, no black Egyptians, you know, like, was essentially <laughs> her takeaway. Um, so that, that always humored me. Because I was like, because just so you know, girl, when you go back to the States, we all think that Cleopatra was black. Like, especially now with this whole trend towards like actual representation of people of color in movies and stuff like i feel like now like the way i don't know like jesus being portrayed as like this light <laughs> you know like bearded like thin cherub um and now there's I feel clearly like a, uh, an, and there's clearly an undoing like an overcorrection of sorts right where it's like even <laughs> now people who weren't black were going to portray as black and uh I don't know. Maybe it all started with Hamilton. Who knows? And and <laughs> Hamilton was one of the most successful things to ever come out of the last decade. So they're like, hey, people will never get tired of this. And now they're just like kind of sick of it being. So it's funny. <laughs> like the only place in the world people think Cleopatra is black is America, it seems. And, you know, the Greeks and and uh, Egyptians have uh, fought in wars before. So to get them to agree on I wouldn't say anything, but to get them to agree on this and like sign a petition and as this petition's getting a ton of signatures, um, you know, and, and of course, like this is almost like a little too on the nose, but do you know who's producing the Cleopatra show? No. Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know, once again, this is kind of, this is a hard thing to talk about without it coming off racist, really. Like, I can't ever, like, it just, I don't know, it, it's weird for me to be like, they should make Cleopatra black. But if this is a historical figure who they, you know, from a genetic standpoint, they've assessed that she's primarily Macedonian, Iranian one or two other things like they're they're fairly certain that she was not and, and all you know people the people of africa are not a monolith just because you're from africa we made the point about elon must be an african-american like a week or two ago on our podcast but um you know africa has a rich tapestry of people and not all of them are what we know as 
like you know aesthetically like black americans so yeah, their arabs know. made it across a big swath of africa yeah yeah and so and honestly comments yeah. and comments right and, and comments shouldn't uh for the most part, even be an option, <laughs> I think. On Netflix? Um, well, isn't that on YouTube? Oh, is it? I, I, I guess it would be on, on the YouTube channel because I was wondering where God, people God, imagine if Netflix had a comment section. What a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, and, and that's my point. I just, going back to, you know, hate clicks and stuff, I feel like commenting was one of those little uh, things that kind of sped up um, this dystopian cultural landscape, you know? Definitely. Um, the so I'm like, go studio, fucking shush them. Like, you don't need that criticism. Like, if, if people see the trailer and want to go see the movie, they'll go see the movie. If they don't want to go see it, they won't go see it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think of, like, kind of the, the opposite of whitewashing or however you want to call it? Um, you know, what do you think about, like, that portrayal of Cleopatra? <laughs> um, in, in this what should we series? call it? <laughs> let's coin it when we're not recording because we're not going to find the perfect word right off the bat and we're going to have some misses <laughs> along the way and I do not want those misses to be set into a microphone well I'm just thinking of parallels to whitewashing you know what I mean yeah, like, but blackwashing just, doesn't sound right <laughs> just don't brown sound washing right is, yeah. is too vague yeah um, wait but what was your question oh um, yeah I guess you know I guess what what's your thought on like we grew up with like a lot of really whitewashed media and now in our adulthood it's it's been this new word that we're still figuring out um you know do you feel like people are sick of it do you think it's you know it's funny it's like people can't come up with a definition of woke but it's like one of those things like you said it's like you know when you see it and then it's like yeah. we're kind of seeing it and obviously you know most people are sick of it it feels so i don't know like like what do you, do you think it matters that they're portraying cleopatra as black do you know even if it's historically inaccurate like do you care i don't know I don't think there's any way a Hollywood movie about Cleopatra could be historically accurate. So, like, <laughs> light it up, people. I don't get, you know, like, who gives a shit? Make if anything, Asian. black black isn't enough. Yeah, I want, like, Tiger Woods playing Cleopatra. <laughs> I, want it, I want Cleopatra to be a black trans man. Like, really fuck it up, you guys. Come on. Like, <laughs> where's the punk enough. sentiment? Yeah, they didn't go yeah. far enough. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, that really is my takeaway with that. So there you go. That's There's the a fun hot Julian take. Yeah, they made um, it too and, too like realistic. Like you know, they they made the Cleopatra just black, and then like, oh, that's too close to the truth, and I don't like it because it's not the truth or whatever. But if they just made it like a, a black trans man, he, he, how could you even be like, well, what are you mad about? Like, obviously, we're fucking around. Yeah, yeah, and like, I don't know. I got to see this trailer now because. I, bitch, I might. <laughs> I might see this Black Cleopatra in the movie theaters. But I will say that, like, and I always bring this up, but, like, in the 90s, not that that was, like, you know, the paragon of, like, equity Existence. or equality. Uh, yeah, right. But there was a – it was less heavy-handed when you would see people of color. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Or maybe I'm just more aware of it because of the dialogue around it and the conversation around it. Also, um, and, and to a degree, I think we were a little gaslit into thinking that there were no black entertainers or entertainers of color in the 90s. Because if you watch 90s movies, you'll see – You'll see people of color just integrated in the scene like like it's nothing, and they, they yeah. don't bring it up. They don't beat you over the head with it. And and I'll and I'll watch movies. And I'll be like, yeah, there were black actors. They had lines. They had major roles in these movies that we all know and love. And maybe there weren't as many yeah, like black I'm... superstars, but also there just weren't as many stars in general. Now everyone's a fucking star. Everyone who has a, a following of fifty thousand or plus, whatever. Uh, what were you gonna say? Well, I was going to say that black black exploitation films, I think, kind of put them more on the map, at least in yeah. the, within the realm of film. Mm -hmm. And then you had the 80s, which kind of bridged that gap with Eddie Murphy and the Beverly Hills Cop franchise, which was fucking huge. Mm -hmm. And then in the 90s, yeah, you have like movies like Half-Baked, which have like Dave Chappelle casually without much about him actually being black. Yeah. That's just that's just who the character is. And. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I want I, that's what I miss is like I am down for representation. I just don't want it to be like almost the crux of the viewpoint of the series. Mm. I guess that's what and it just is. The, it's not even because I've seen the heavy handedness and the messaging. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen series that 
sometimes aren't, you know, gay guys. And it's not necessarily about being gay, but I still feel like so much of it is like, is is kind of predicated on you knowing that its worldview kind of like exists within that singular category right, or something. Right. I don't know. This is a weird abstract thing and I'm probably saying no, shit. I know what you're saying. Same, but... No, I know what you're saying. And I, and I, you know, I totally get it. It It's just like, you know, being spoon fed what we're told we should feel about this stuff, you know, and good art is supposed to leave it up to interpretation to some degree. Yeah, it doesn't feel like gratuitous or like it's signaling anything. Um, if anything, it yeah. kind of matched the vividness of that world, you know, like, and and it puts filmmakers in a quagmire because it's like, oh, so the only thing we could do then is like characters, like we can only portray really characters that look like arts. us or that are Yeah, it just limits art in general. Or, and I mean, I'm like, just, do people not want so actors limiting. anymore? Do they just want documentaries? You know, like... If, if uh, like Brendan Fraser's only 300 pounds, but he's playing someone who's 600, that's, you know, like that's fucked up and we need a 600 pound actor. It's like, how many do you think there are that we can cast in this role? You know, he was the best man for the job. Even though that would have been um, way more exciting and that would have been a good example of them fucking it up the way I want them to. But yeah. Right. But also. But it, you, you can't argue that they didn't make the right choice. Well, I don't you know. know. I didn't, it, I didn't love him in that. <laughs> but I was like, of course they went with the actor with like the largest eyes, you know? It's like, no, get me in there with my deep visor. He's just all He's eyes. He's all eyes, man. So I don't know. And yeah, I trip about that as an actor. I'm like, all these famous people have blue and green eyes. Which brings me to, not to say that blacks or Asians necessarily have those, that eye color, but there are no Latinos in. In in mainstream media, the way you see, like, they... And Mario. Well, no. Yeah. Although there weren't any on the Vogue cover, which actually... I mean, it was like, these are all of Carl Lagerfeld's I'm favorite saying. models. And it was like, black was represented, Asian, um, like, all, all sorts of different... And there and no Latinos. And I was like, wait a minute, though. Like, I feel like we haven't yet had our moment where it feels like we're, like, overexposed. No one, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to hear this, but we haven't. Yeah, like no one wants. Really and, and I think for a long, for the longest time, Jimmy Smits was the only Latino actor that was getting work. Jimmy Smits is Latino. I think so. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm rinsing. A, no, I'm rinsing a cup because it was really bothering me. I had a smoothie that was just like getting caked inside of this empty glass. Okay. But I'm back. Um. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that I and I'm glad we we really quickly talked about like the the lack of Latino representation because I I saw that today on the Vogue May 2023 cover and I was like wait that's so fucked up like because Vogue is oh no this this is definitely I, I've definitely thought of this like this has definitely occupied my mental space to be like you know and and not in a way that I'm gonna like post about it and like you know be, right. because also if and when Latinos do have their moments I'm not the guy they're gonna come running to you know. <laughs> Um, you might not be either. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's like, yeah, that, that's does occupy a place in my mind where I think like, you know, why doesn't anyone seem to care? I, I don't know. Whenever people talk about Latinos, it's always about like in an immigration context. It's never really about like, where are the Latino actors, right. you know? So it'd be cool to hear like a more nuanced conversation around like, you know, a very large population of the country, but, uh, you know, we got to choose our battles, I guess. Give Rosie Perez an Oscar. That's what we're landing on. It's the least they could do. Yeah, it is. So that way, when it she is. gives her Oscar speech, you can hear her Oscar speech with this accent. When I was growing up, a little girl in New York, <laughs> and uh, I was dancing, and that, that fucking fake bitch, J-Lo, you know she's so full of shit, she came up to me at a party, and I said, get, I don't know you, bitch. Um, I would love is that if, your, like, is that, is that your impression of a Latina woman, Brian, just... <laughs> ready to fight that's, that's Rosie, that was my Rosie Perez that was literally my my no joke best I don't think she's that Rosie. belligerent dude I heard her on wait wait don't tell me a few weeks ago and I don't know if she's you know doing it up or playing it up or whatever but I was you know she sounded like she was plucked straight from <laughs> like white men can't jump she sounded like she <laughs> she had not changed in that character that's at awesome all. so <laughs> yeah I know I was like I don't know if she's playing it up for the the you know milk toast liberals of NPR, but um, I was here for <laughs> it. It's funny that it was on NPR. Ugh, those guys always know who to bring on. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I love wait, wait, don't tell me. I love NPR, and it is not state affiliated media. Okay, so get over it, Twitter. So that's the world according to Jules. 
Thank you so much for your wisdom, your insight, your vitriol, your reactiveness. Um, what do you have for me next, Jules? So our next segment is called... Also, I'm sorry, I have to... But did you know, I, I might have told you this, it's just, it's one of my favorite, like, the Hollywood uh, gossip tidbits, but just that Rosie Perez and J-Lo are not cool with each other. I mean, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, because Rosie was, like, the head choreographer on In Living Color. J-Lo, like, became one of the backup dancers and, like, you know, thought she was hot shit and all that stuff. And then, like, kind of, like, left Rosie in the dust a little bit. And then Rosie, like, got her break. And then, and then you like wrote, like J Lo wouldn't return Rosie's calls or whatever, talk shit about her behind her back. And then like J- uh, Rosie ran into her at a party, and J Lo was like, "Oh my god, good to see you!" And I was like, "I don't know you, bitch!" Like, and so that was why I was like, "I'd love if she used her Oscar moment to just like go all in on J Lo and start a war." <laughs> okay, thank you for the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't just like randomly shitting on J Lo for no reason. All right, go ahead, Julian. Yeah, What's I hope you're, I hope that was worth derailing um, all of my efforts. But okay. Our next yeah, it was it was. Our next segment's called Bogey Bogey Bomb Bomb, or as we like to say, Bogey 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 Bomb Bomb. Um, So I read Brian a headline from a news story from this past week, and Brian has to give his thoughts. But more importantly, he has to play a song that the headlight reminds him of. So I've got two for you today, Brian. The first is Shakira following her breakup with Bike. Takes a cherished. I already like the story. Takes a cherished tree because with her to Miami. Shakira. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm sorry. Shakira, fresh off her breakup, does what? Takes a cherished tree with her to Miami. A cherished tree. So she just broke up with Bike. Brian, what were you doing while I read this the first right. time? Well, I, no, I, I was just like a tree, like a cherished yes. tree. Yes, because she broke up with Bike. A so tree she, that she likes. Yeah. So she left Barcelona after her separation from Bike, but she brought with her yes. to Miami a, a cherished tree. It was given to what her by the people of Lebanon. It? Hey, we love Lebanon on this pod. When she visited oh, the country to attend the opening cool. of a park dedicated to her. Oh, she has Lebanese roots. Wow. Like us. Oh, like us. Oh, my God. We're totally Shakira. Um, so, and, and so that's, I mean, that's, first of all, that is a very cute story. I have known about the Shakira PK breakup. Um, and it's, it's pretty, you know, like it's one of those breakups where she's now making songs about it and everything like that. And he's reacting like wearing clothes, uh, that kind of respond to her music. So it's one of those fun breakups. Um, she's leaving Barcelona, moved back to Miami where she belongs. Welcome back, Shakira. And, um, brought a tree. There's only one song about cherishing a tree that I know. And it is, Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree of all the trees most lovely. So we're just gonna, but you know what? To give it that little bit of Euro spice, that Euro flavor, okay. we're going to do the German version, Oh, Tannenbaum. <laughs> Tannenbaum, oh Tannenbaum, risplendi nella notte. Oh Tannenbaum, oh Tannenbaum, risplendi nella notte. And uh, and I'm just so happy that she brought this tree back because that's like a super cute story. Um, and uh, and I'm glad that she got her tree, and I'm glad that tree is stateside. I hope that it has a security detail now. And that, um, you know, it, it throws out the first pitch at the next Yankees game or whatever. <laughs> That's funny. The, um, yeah, I, I think it's funny that you, you went with a German version of an already so anglicized song. For, <laughs> for Shakira. I was like, he's going to sing, sing in yeah. Spanish. Watch. But is there is there a because I only know two versions of the Christmas tree song, um, Oh Christmas Tree and Oh Tannenbaum. I'm, I'm sure, sure there's a version of it in Spanish, but it's not as well known. Um, so I just don't know what's on Spotify. I'm kind of at the mercy of what's on Spotify here. Sure. But yeah, that's that's my song. I'm sticking with it. And look, you know, German Germany is fairly close in proximity to Spain, uh, closer than we are certainly. Um, so, 
that's why I'm I'm saying it's got that little bit of Euro spice sure. to it. That I think the, the UK is even not. closer to Spain than Germany is. But we're... shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> I'm sticking with it. This is a song that cannot be spoken in English because Shakira and PK probably rarely, if ever, speak English to each other. Is my guess. They probably primarily. So I'm like, just to honor the fact that you know, just to honor that fact. I'm going with. Uh, Another language here. Love it. I'm gonna play a um, a dancey deep house dish called Leaves by Justin Carter. The leaves fall. The leaves fall. The leaves fall after they die. That is a really that's a really cool drop. Right? And the, the leaves fall yeah. um, after it dies. So I don't know. There's also something to be said about the relationship ending. Break up. Yep. You know, that's, that's a great, great allegory. Um, so, hey, I'm all for it. And <laughs> can might I say, you could not have picked a more different song than O Tan and Palm. <laughs> and that's what I like, is that we could have two different versions, you know, two vastly different songs uh, make us think of the same story. Well, our brains are so different. And that's cute. Our brains are just so incredibly different. They are so different. They're so, they're they're so, so different. different. Our brains <laughs> can you tell me the next story so I can think of a song? <laughs> yeah, girl. Okay. So this went viral on Twitter this week. A Toronto Jays baseball player, Anthony Bass, complained Mm, that a flight attendant mm, requested mm. that his pregnant wife get on her hands and knees to clean up their children's mess. Right. I mean, my first reaction is, uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) Like, that's not my job. Totally. Yeah, um... Yeah, what song? I did see that story last night, I believe. And what does it make me think of? Like, so, so it's like, so, so he was mad that the flight attendant was not acting as a nurse or a babysitter, basically. Yes, yes, that's that's yeah. my understanding of it. And also, it's like you help your wife, motherfucker. Like you're like she's yeah. she's pregnant. Like you're you're just sitting there, like getting upset about the flight attendant who also has to look after like that, so many other athletes body. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I wasn't going to say that, that but yeah, boy, that big throbbing cock. Yeah. But we're getting beside the point here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring that part. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I hate entitlement. I don't know. I hate that's one of my least favorite character traits. You just hit the ball. I totally did. I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, no, let it all out. Let it all it's out. out. It's out. <laughs> what song does that make me think of? Can you, uh, you probably have one, right? I do. You want me to play mine? Go ahead and do yours. I did mine first. Okay. Last. Because <laughs> she got down on her knees. That's the idea. <laughs> I was because I was like, I'll take you there because they're in an airplane. <laughs> oh and yeah, that too. To a place. That too. Yeah, I uh, I helped. Uh, yeah, glad I could help uh, add some more legitimacy to that song. <laughs> Fuck and off. And the song that I Fuck have. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't even. Um, and I haven't seen the latest episode. So I'm don't, not saying anything. Uh, don't tell me what happened. Okay. Okay. Um, here, here's mine, and uh, it is this song, and you know I don't really have a mechanism for playing it since I'm talking on the phone with you, and and uh, you know I'm recording on the laptop. Okay. But you know the song "Rude" by Magic. No. Why you gotta be so oh, yeah. rude? Don't you know? Yeah. So that's a song about a guy like trying to talk to his girlfriend's dad into, you know, uh, blessing his marriage proposal to her, what have you. So the the subject matter, like what the song is about, not really related here. But just the hook of why you got to be so rude is like what instantly pops in my mind, because I feel like that's very rude behavior to expect a flight attendant to be your babysitter and to also force your pregnant wife to 
you know, do things that, that you could actually do for yeah. her. Yeah. Dare I say that song is part of the mid 2010s, very slight, very brief ska revival. <laughs> 100%. You may say that, and I bless that statement. <laughs> okay, cool. I don't, I defer to you with ska, because, you know. Yeah, and like, I'm not a major ska head, but honestly, I, I might, it might have been something that was like more overlooked that I probably would have liked more if I dove further into. Yeah. Um, Goldfinger, that was such a fun band, uh, Goldfinger. And uh, I don't know, just any song that was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater growing up that. <laughs> um, that really hit the sweet spot. Wouldn't for me. know it, but I do exoticize skaters and their aesthetic. Yeah, and you know, part of that's the music, baby. Yeah, and part of that is me being gay, which brings us to our next segment, gay, I'm a, a gay item of the week. But before we do that, Ooh. we gotta give them a quick bogey, mm-hmm. bogey, bum, 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 bum. Nice. <laughs> buggy, 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 buggy. Buggy. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Hell yeah. Didn't know we were doing the second one. We're kind of hit or miss with the second yeah. one on whether we're doing it later. Well, and we should have done this over Zoom like because you could have read my facial cues throughout this entire recording, too. Yeah, we, we might bring Zoom back on the next virtual yeah. recording. What do you think? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> but I think we have one or two more segments to do. I think just one. And I believe you, you hinted, and it's just the gay atom of That's the right. week. And for context, for new listeners, uh, one week early on in our recordings, I asked Julian, like, can you give me like a gay item of the week, which I mean like a news item, what's happening in the gay world, what's happening with the culture. And he thought I meant like a physical item. So now he gives me a news story and a physical item. So which one do you want to do first? I always like doing the physical item. The gay physical item of the week is the November 2004 issue of Details Magazine featuring Ben Affleck on the cover. Um, So for context, and of course now we don't do it with Zoom, but I hold in my hands the actual issue of details that I was talking about last week when I was talking about how I had the hots for Ben Affleck in the mid-2000s and how there's this really lovely spread of him in here. Um, Just so you know, I'm holding it. I'm going to drop it on my desk. Did you hear that? I I heard that satisfying slap. The slappy little paper thud, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, so I ordered it the second after we were done, Brian, because I was like, none of our listeners are gonna send me this. So I, being you know an independent person, went on eBay and ordered it myself. It was on eBay. It was ten bucks. Um, thanks for paying me back for your share of dinner a few nights before that. That helped cover the cost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was your money, but yeah, <laughs> but. Uh... Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you could just reappropriate those funds into because we had talked last week. I think you brought up that that cover in our podcast, and it's funny that like we went to go see Dungeons and Dragons, and that night after recording, you bought it, and it's in your possession by the time we record this episode. <laughs> so now it is absolutely the gay item of the week. I see it. I want it. <laughs> yeah, and you were quite the. Ben Affleck fanboy. Like, you, he was your sexiest man alive for a while, right? Yeah, and I know I said last week I look like Pedro Pascal, but I kind of also look like Ben Affleck. So, so maybe it's that. I mean, of, of course he has a certain smolder that I don't have. Um, but these pictures mm-hmm. hold up, I gotta say. I gotta say. And it's a nice d- green diesel tracksuit he's wearing in this. Um, so I will show you in person. Look forward to that. But let's get to the gay. I can't wait to see news out of the week. Yeah, what happened in the gay world this week? Well, um, besides the Oscars being the gay Super Bowl, uh, the Drag Race finale is the gay Super Bowl. Listeners, if you're an invested Drag Race fan and you haven't seen this past week's finale, please watch it. Um, and, and end the episode now. Yeah, end the episode and now and back. then come back to it so we could get the full stream. But. Yes, I we're gonna get into it. So, Brian, first off, you okay? So, so for context, yeah. yeah okay, go ahead. Yeah, sounds like you were gonna. Well, I was it. just gonna say that you would watch it with me. Um, it would be the second time I'd watch the episode. I'm a casual Drag Race fan. I'm a casual Drag Race yeah. fan, and I've I've seen a number of episodes with you, and kept up with this season a little bit. It's like I would watch every third or fourth episode or so yeah and so i the last i watched was the i think the the penultimate episode when they decided who the final four were and then it sounds like and and the season finale was choosing the winner out of those four right exactly exactly 
And who are the four? Can you just refresh my memory? Uh, there's Lux. There's Lux Noir. Sasha? Lux, Sasha? Lux Noir uh -huh. London, yes, who's like the very queeny, fashiony. You never liked Lux. Brooklyn, you're Brooklyn girl, I think. She is very Lux. Yeah. Um, and uh -huh. then we have Sasha, yes, who is the vamp, um, if you will. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, Anitra, who's who's a wonderful dancer Anitra, fantastic yes, actress yes, yeah. she walks that fucking duck duck walk um and she has this she has this calm energy to her that like this kind of like almost like sort of zen like presence yes um there and she she yeah, kind of became and, the fan favorite i would say but my heart of hearts always was partial to our fourth contestant mistress isabel brooks uh, mistress, mistress. I, that I was like, I was like rolling in my head, like, what was that fucking name? <laughs> mistress, big Latina mistress, girl. Um, that reminds thick, me, thick of, honey, out of Houston. Yeah, yeah. She reminds me of the girls I went to high school with and stuff. Like that. She, there's just something totally. so approachable about her. Um, but anyway, Brian. So now that we, yeah, you said it before on this podcast too that like you identify with the plus size Latinas, and and like that is your that's your type of person. Whenever you see them in the wild, like you will approach them and become instantly best Why friends. Why not just with them. on the street, Brian? Why do you got to make it wild? Um, in the wild, I just well because the wild can be the street. It can be a store. It can be on a nature walk. It can be in the literal wild. Right, right, right. I'm just, um, I'm just, I didn't mean nothing. I know. But I know. Stop policing my language. I know. Such a good point. I won't. Um, yeah. So I like Mistress a lot. But Brian, who do we? Who do you think won? Now that we've gone through the four. Yeah, because I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to be finding out for the first time literally right now. So I think the two favorites were going to be Sasha and Lux. And Sasha's trans. Sasha's a trans woman, right? When do they start, like, allowing sounds really bad? But, like, when do they have the first trans person in Drag Race? Because it was pretty controversial when they first let that happen, right? I believe, I mean, at least the one that was really vocal about it was Carmen Carrera. And she got upset. Was that, like, five years ago, maybe? Uh, maybe even longer. I'd say maybe eight years ago. And um, she yeah. she got upset because there was a certain part of the show where RuPaul would say the word tranny. And that really upset right, her. Right. And at, for, at first, Ru, I think quite wisely, doubled down on that and was like, look, like, yeah, it's the whole thing of like, it's language and it's the intention of it and it's reappropriating it. Um, but mm -hmm. not to say they never allowed... Uh, drag queens, because in I mean I'm sorry, trans drag queens, because I think the first one was like in the second or third season. Um, Kylie. Oh, that's Ky crazy! I didn't know it was that that early, but, but it really Sonique. didn't. That was before the movement. Mm -hmm. Now it's the movement, and so now like when someone catches it at that apex, it's gonna have a different kind of connotation to it. So so now now you have a little bit more power to like tell RuPaul like, hey, I think what you said is fucked up, which maybe wouldn't have felt as empowered to do, or and also maybe like the word tranny wasn't as like uh you know quantitatively bad as people consider it now like back in season two or three whenever they oh had first absolutely i could vouch for that i mean i certainly didn't but again i'm not transgender but but yeah yeah it, 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 it was much me. more part of the vernacular i think because rupaul's been like god this was season 15 i think the first season's like 2011 or 2012? I mean, it's it's The Simpsons at this point. Shit, I think it was like 08 or 09 or some shit, you know? Maybe. So I think it was like probably right around the time I first went to college. So that's that's kind of crazy that from the time we graduated high school, we've been living in a drag race world. Well, and I don't think it was a drag race world at first. I mean, it started on Logo Television, which... No, it was on the fringe, but now it's it's uber mainstream. And, an, right? and I think... So I still don't know who won. Okay. Well, and I was going to say, and I, and I think with that came a huge compromise in the way they tell the stories... They get fixated on certain mm -hmm. narrative arcs that I don't think were actually a truthful, or or b even conducive to the overall um, story of the season. So it it became it, once it moved to MTV, it started to feel much more heavily produced. I'll say that. And every time I'm yeah. like, I'm done, I'm out of the game. And my friend's like, bitch, you'll be back. And you know what? I, You're never going to be out of the game, dude. You're never going to be out of the game. It is like, despite that, still probably the best show on television. My friend and I talk about this all the time. It is. It is. <laughs> like, because yeah. it's so competitive and like they have to do everything. And it's reality. It's like a good example of like a reality show that like ultimately, like even though it's like quippy and like kind of poppy, it's still elevated again because it's so mm -hmm. craft centric. 
Yes. Um, there's there's uh, a lot of meat on this bone, and they're going to pick it until it's completely dry. <laughs> yeah, it's like Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, fuck, I guess I'm in. Yeah, yeah, no. I hope... And I mean, shit, I will say the drag, uh, the drag Race Extended Universe has been more compelling than what Disney's done with Star Wars, unfortunately. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I haven't seen all of the series. I kind of want to, but uh, in this economy... <laughs> well, thank you for... The gay news item of the week. This episode went on a little long, but I think we just got lost in the music of conversation. And uh, I'm excited to get back to LA. Can you check your phone, Brian? And uh, we'll record again in person. I know, that'll be fun. But really quickly, oh. before we go, check your phone. I texted okay. you two images of Ben Affleck in Details Magazine. If you want to see like the one that I think is the pinup, it's the second one where he's in the green. I'm... I know, I know which one it was. Yeah, because he's like very clearly grabbing his drunk, his junk. Oh wow! And he looks like a Guido. Totally. Okay. See, that's what I said last week, and then we were like, no, we should back walk that back, but we should blackwash no, it. No, no, no <laughs> absolutely. Kidding. Yeah, um, yeah. We're gonna come up with with is the anti-whitewashing word. <laughs> that's off. so no way. <laughs> what? Wait. What was it? What did you say? Blackwash. <laughs> is, is blackwash our title or blackwashing? Yeah. I don't know. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> but from the Guantanamo Base podcast, I'm Brian <laughs> and Goza. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next That's week. Good night. I'm